I appreciate the opportunity to come and share with you once again from God's Word, and appreciate Brother Kevin extending the invitation for me to come back and preach again, and, and uh, we, we love and appreciate Brother Kevin very much, and we uh, know you do as well. And uh, I'm thankful that uh, one of the brothers there, both of them prayed for me before I uh, got up here, and I appreciate that. And one of them prayed a specific thing, said, uh, Lord, give him exactly or for certain what he is to preach tonight. And I'm glad he did that. I'm glad he prayed in that manner because I'll be completely honest with you. I've been struggling back and forth all day today between two different messages which one God would have me to preach tonight. Now, Deacon at the last church I pastored said, well, preacher, when that happens, just preach them both. But I, I'm not going to do that to you tonight. I, I'm not going to preach them both. But, uh, but sitting there and praying in my heart again, asking the Lord to give me definite direction and clarity, the Lord has given me that tonight. And um, I don't know, this message um, is one that God gave me here a few weeks ago. Um, and uh, I've preached it a time or two, but God's brought it back around to my heart again tonight. And uh, I just pray it'll be a help to you. Uh, if you'll find the, your text in Matthew chapter number 4, in Matthew chapter number 4, Matthew chapter 4, we'll begin reading with verse number 12. I know, Brother Kevin, at times I've had you stand. If you'd like to stand, you can do that. Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse number 12. And God's word says this. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Nephthalim, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the, the land of Nephthalim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region in shadow of death light is sprung up. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for another opportunity to read and share a portion of your word here tonight. And I pray you help it to find lodging in our hearts. Lord, help us to be sensitive and obedient to your leadership. I ask for clarity of thought and speech as I try to communicate clearly what you've laid upon my heart tonight. Speak through me what needs to be said that you would get the honor and glory out of this time of preaching. I turn it over to you now and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage of Scripture... We, we see several things, and I'm not going to try to touch on all of that tonight, but the, the first part of the text that we read is, is talking about another place where a prophecy was, was communicated about the light springing up in the darkness. And we know that Jesus is the light of the world, 
And he did come into these areas just as it was prophesied of him to do. And if you look back through God's word, every prophecy that's ever been given concerning Jesus Christ has come to pass. And the one about him returning for us is going to come to pass too. He's coming back. But he gave this message from the time of that time forth, it said that he began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's still our message today. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we know that that time is coming, that time is approaching. But what I really want to focus on, what I really want to talk about tonight is something that God gave me, as I mentioned earlier, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I guess, um, we, there's something that my family and I started doing a, a couple of uh, years ago. It's something we've always wanted to do, and we, we've never really uh, had the, the time or the money, and we still don't, I guess, but we're making the time to do it. Um, but that is going camping. And uh, we, we went and bought a camper, and we started going into different campgrounds and setting up and camping for a weekend. And sometimes it would be a, a long weekend if their kids are out for a holiday or during the summer. And, and, uh, and one of those times we were camping, it was over at Sardis Lake. And in the particular place we were camping, there was, a, there was a little boat dock out there with a little pier. And on that little pier, uh, there was a, there's four benches out there that you could sit on and you could fish. Really good little spot for fishing. And so that's one of the things that we always do whenever we go camping is we go fishing. And fishing is something I always enjoyed as a, as a kid. I loved fishing. And, and, uh, and I would spend a lot of time, even in my adult years, I would come in from work and grab my rod and reel and tackle box and I'd head to the pond behind the house and go fishing a lot of times. And something I've always enjoyed doing. But then when God called me to ministry on June 25th of the year 2000, I got to where I didn't find myself having as much time to be able to go and, and fish. And something I've always wanted to kind of get back into. And uh, the Lord has allowed that in the past couple of years. And, and, uh, but what I really want to talk to you about is in these verses of Scripture from verses 18 uh, to verse number 22, when you think about what the Lord did here with with coming along, and he's walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he sees these brethren. There's three times that either the word net or nets are mentioned in these verses of Scripture. And I want to talk about those three things, and I won't keep you long tonight, but I want to talk about these things tonight uh, that God has put on my heart concerning these nets. Now, the first thing, the first time we see it is when Jesus, it says in verse 18, and Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Now, the first time we see the word net mentioned, the net is being cast. They were casting their nets. That was a type of fishing that they were doing, is that they were, they were casting so they were fishers. They were simply doing what they do. It wasn't that they were doing anything extraordinary. They weren't doing anything uh, uncommon for them. They were fishers, and they were fishing. Just that simple. But they were active. They were doing what they do. Now, when Jesus saw them, they were casting their net. That's what they were doing. But what I want you to notice there is who he didn't call. He didn't call the folks that were sitting up on the bank that hadn't put a hook in the water and was trying to tell everybody else what they wasn't doing right about fishing. 
Now, he didn't call them. He called the ones that was fishing, right? They were active. They were doing something. He didn't call them that was sitting up under the shade tree up there saying, well, you ain't going to catch no fish over in that area. Ain't no need in even going fishing over there. He didn't call them. He called Peter and Andrew because they were fishing. They were doing something. They were active. And so that's who he called. And so when I think about that, there's a little story that I read, and and I want to read it to you real quickly. And it's the parable of the Fishless Fisherman Fellowship. And here's what it says. The fishermen were surrounded by streams and lakes full of hungry fish. They met regularly to discuss the call to fish, the abundance of fish, and the thrill of catching fish. And they got excited about fishing. Someone suggested that they needed a philosophy of fishing. So they carefully defined and redefined fishing and the purpose of fishing. They developed fishing strategies and tactics. Then they realized that they had been going at it backwards. They had approached fishing from the point of view of the fishermen and not from the point of view of the fish. How do fish view the world? How does the fisherman appear to the fish? What do fish eat and when? And these are all good things to know, so they began to research and do studies. They attended conferences on fishing. Some traveled to faraway places to study different kinds of fish with different habits, and some got doctorates in fishology. But no one had yet gone fishing. So a committee was formed to send out fishermen. As prospective fishing places outnumbered fishermen, the committee needed to determine priorities. So a priority list of fishing places was posted on bulletin boards on every, in every fellowship hall. But still, no one was fishing. A survey was launched to find out why. Most didn't answer the survey, but from those that did, it was discovered that some were called to study fish, a few to furnish fishing equipment, several to go around encouraging the fishermen, and what with all the meetings, conferences, seminars, they just didn't have time to fish. Now Jake was a newcomer to the Fisherman's Fellowship, and after one steering meeting of the fellowship, he went fishing and caught a large fish. At the next meeting, he told his story and was honored for his catch. He was told that he had a special gift of fishing, and he was then scheduled to speak at the fellowship chapters and tell how he did it. With all the speaking at the chapters and invitations uh, and his election to the board of directors of the Fisherman's Fellowship, Jake no longer had time to go fishing. But soon, he began to feel restless and empty. He longed to feel the tug on the line again. So he canceled the speaking. He had resigned from the board, and he said to a friend, let's go fishing. They did, just the two of them, and they caught fish. The members of the Fisherman Fellowship were many. The fish were plentiful, but the fishers were few. Now, I read that tonight to give you some food for thought. Does that sound at all familiar with the way some operate? 
you know, we, we, we need to do this and we need to do that and we form committees. And, and I'm, I'm not speaking against committees whatsoever. I think they're great. They're very helpful. Um, within the church, committees definitely have their place. I, I'm not speaking against that. But what good does it do to form all of this stuff if we're not doing anything with it? And so here we find that these were casting their nets. They were busy. They were doing something. And those are the ones that God called. He don't call the lazy that's just sitting around waiting on somebody else to do something. He calls the ones that's working. He calls the ones that's busy, the ones that wants to see something happen. I can remember before I surrendered to preach, I, I had a longing in my heart. I didn't know what it was for. And I was asking God to show me, Lord, what is it that I can do? What, what can I do? I wanted to do something. Because you see, as a, as a child, when I, I got saved at the age of nine years old, I shared my testimony with you last time, but, but from the time that I got saved as a shy kid, when I first got saved, now I'd carry tracks to school. I wanted my friends to be saved. I wanted everybody else to experience what I'd experienced. But remember me telling you how I was as a shy kid. Folks began to make fun of me at school, and guess what I did? I quit. I quit carrying those tracks to school. I quit talking about it. And I stayed silent on it for many years. Until one day, Lord got a hold of me and said, you need to get on the move. Now, I had no idea he was going to call me to preach at that moment. But I decided I wanted to do something. So I went to my pastor and I said, what can I do? I said, do we want to, can we start a, a visitation program? Can, can we do that? Can, can I take a group and go out and, and, and we go and knock on some doors and invite people to church? And, and I wasn't comfortable with that. But I knew it was time for me to step out of my comfort zone and do something, right? And so I began to do that, and we, we took Dr. Gray Allison's book, Winsome Words for Willing Witnesses, and we went through that book. We had some classes on going out and, and making a connection with something in their home, with, with something that you can see that they're familiar with, that they may like to do as a hobby, and you can connect with them uh, with that hobby and then begin to turn it into a spiritual conversation. And so I began to work through that book, and I was doing that, and I held some classes, and the next thing we knew was going out and was knocking on doors. And first house we went to, I, I took the youth with me, and we went and we knocked on a house, uh, knocked on the door, and it's uh, a teenager there that lived in that house, and some of the kids went to school with her, and they said, I don't believe she's saved, and, and so, the, so we went to visit. And I began to try to talk to that girl, and she had a little brother, and that little brother was just bouncing around, and, and she was distracted watching that kid. And I, I just looked up at her dad, and I, and I motioned, and he knew what I wanted. And he took the child and went to another room with the child and got the distraction out of the way. And then she was focusing on what I was trying to talk to her about. Right there in their living room, we led that young lady to the Lord. Very first visit. Now, you're talking about setting a fire under some folks. Those kids even was wanting to go visit some more people, and they started thinking of other people we could go and see, and it started a chain reaction. And, and that very year, we ended up having a revival in our church that started with our youth. And you see, the thing is, we begin to do some things, and I was praying, I was asking God, Lord, what can I do? And, and, and so 
then it wasn't long after that till God began to deal with my heart to preach. And, and you know the story with that. I told you last time I was here. I told God I can't do that. Can't do that, God. I, I'll do whatever else. I'll try. I've tried teaching Sunday school. I've tried being a wantless helper. I, everything I could think of to try to do. And, and the Lord was telling me that's not it. That's not it. But whenever these two were fishing and they were casting their nets, they were actively doing what God, what their, what their job was. You know, don't ever take for granted the job that you have within the local church, whatever it is. Everything is important. Faithfulness is important. Being faithful to do what you do on a daily basis. Every time I think about faithfulness, I think about a man in the, in the church that I, second church that I pastored. His name was Carl Morrow. Now, Mr. Carl was there every time doors were open. The only time he might not be there is if his family went to Nashville to visit his brother. And they might not make it back for Sunday service. And if he didn't get back, that's why he wasn't there. He might have, if he, he had to be bad sick if he wasn't there. I'm telling you, he was faithful. You could count on him. I remember as a young child, my son looked up and he said, Daddy, he said, Mr. Carl's always here, ain't he? He picked up on the faithfulness of it. But you know, a thing about Mr. Carl that really stood out wasn't just his faithfulness and attendance, but one of the things that he did every Sunday morning, if it was cold outside, he'd come and turn the heat on early that morning and let the church be getting warm. Sunday school classes be getting warm. If it was hot outside, he'd come and turn the air on. He'd be letting it get cool in there so that it'd be cool for Sunday school and for church. And after church, he'd go around and collect the garbage out of every classroom and the nursery and everywhere. And he would go and he'd dump it in the garbage can of the fellowship hall. And he'd, he'd take it in that big bag and he would put it in that rolling trash can. And you'd see him every Sunday evening after church. He'd be rolling that garbage can out to the road, sitting out there waiting for the garbage people to come pick it up. Now, nobody told him he had to do that. That wasn't his job. But that's what he did every week. Now, you don't think it was missed? You let him miss one Sunday and somebody not empty that nursery trash. It was noticed. Every job is important. Everything that you do ought to be for the Lord. It should be for Him, for His honor, for His glory. You love Him because He first loved you and your motivation for what you do is love. And that's why we do what we do. And so we think about it here. They were casting there. They were just simply doing what they did. But you know, sometimes we have to work at fishing. Now, fishing is fun when the fish are biting. I'm going to tell you. You bait that hook and you throw it out there. And, and if you're fishing with live bait and you see that cork go under, man, you get that drilling, you ready to get that fish in. Fishing's fun when they when they bite. But when they're not biting... It tests your patience. The last camping trip we went on, we'd fished, and we'd probably been fishing for an hour and ain't caught nothing. I mean, what little fish was biting, they were just nibbling the bait off, and they were gone. It wasn't, we wasn't doing any good. But you know, one thing I've learned is when our patience is being tested and we're having to wait on the fish to come and to bite, you can still enjoy fishing. 
you can still enjoy. I, I, I sit there and I look over and I, I look at the beauty of God's creation. The leaves were starting to change colors. The water, the sun reflecting off the water. I just began to enjoy being out there. Weather was nice. I was sitting there thinking, I've heard that old saying before, a bad day fishing is better than a good day at work, you know. But, but seriously, I, I was sitting there thinking, Lord, thank you for the opportunity just to, just to fish. Now, of course, I'm talking about, in the physical sense, fishing for fish, right? But let's apply that spiritually. When you go and you're talking to people and they're receptive and you're able to lead somebody to the Lord, there's not a better feeling in the world than to have someone bow their head and call out to Jesus for their Savior. What a wonderful experience that is to get to be a part of that. To think about the God who created all of heaven and earth, the one who created it all by simply speaking it into existence, allows us to be a part of His work. That's a blessing. And so when I think about that, and I think about even when the fish aren't biting, even when I'm telling them about how good the Lord is. Even when I'm presenting them with the gospel, which is the greatest thing you can present them with, even if they're not biting, I'm still thankful for the opportunity to get to tell somebody about Jesus. Still thankful for the opportunity to fish. Because you see, when he called them, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now see, There's a different kind of fishing than what they were used to, right? Which brings me to my next point. The first time you see the word net, they're casting a net. But look what it says in verse number 20. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. They left their nets. Now, they were fishers, and they were net fishers. That's what they did. They would cast those nets out into the water, and they would draw them back in, and hopefully it would be full of fish. That was their goal, right? They they were net fishers. But when Jesus called them, they left what was familiar to them. They left what they knew. They left what they was comfortable with, and they followed Jesus to do something that they had no idea what they was about to get into. They left their net. They left their comfort. I tell you, it may be that God is working in your heart to do something you've never done before. Maybe He's dealing with you about teaching that Sunday school class that needs a teacher. Maybe He's dealing with you about doing something within the church, serving on a committee you've never served on. Maybe it is that God is doing some kind of uh, work in your heart to lead you to do something for Him that you're not real comfortable with. Let me tell you from my personal experience. God will equip you to do what He calls you to do. Maybe it's time that some of us leave the net. I firmly believe that I'd been pastoring that last church for six years, and I I told somebody recently, I believe that those folks would have let me pastor there until either I passed away or the Lord came and got us because they loved us, and I love them, still do. But I had gotten so comfortable, and I had done got in a, stuck in a rut, so to speak. And I don't know, maybe that's just my mind thinking, wondering. But, but, but for some reason, the Lord told me it was time to move on. And so, in a sense, I had to leave my net. I had to leave what was comfortable. I, I had to leave what I done got used to. And I'm following Him. And now I'm waiting. 
Waiting is tough. You don't believe waiting is hard? Wait till you have to wait on a test result. Waiting can be hard. We don't like to wait for things. In our day and time, waiting is, is man, we, got, we want the right now mentality. We want everything. We want it right now. We don't want to wait on anything. We don't like to wait at the gas station to get gas. We don't like to wait at the restaurant to get seated. We don't like to wait for anything. We don't like to wait for any kind of service. We, we expect service right now. We want it all right now. You don't believe that, get you a job in service. They'll call you. We want it right now. We want it yesterday. We want it last week. We want it fixed. I have a job in service, and every call is an urgent call to them. But I have to prioritize because if you've got an urgent call to surgery or an urgent call to another area where there's a vital signs monitor and there's 15 other ones on the floor they can use, but there ain't but one instrument in surgery or whatever, then that's my priority. That's where I'm headed, you know. And so you've, you've got things like that, that that people don't want to wait. But now I've learned something. I've learned that while I'm waiting... I can still enjoy the fishing. I can still enjoy the moment. I was just about to give up on our last fishing trip. We'd done been fishing for probably an, an hour or two and hadn't really caught anything. Christy did finally catch one catfish, and we, we put that thing in a basket, and that's another story I'm about to tell you here in just a minute. But I was just about to give up on that fishing trip. And about that time, I'd look down at my phone to see what time it was, and about that time, I heard my rod and reel go, Ch-ch-ch. So I looked up real quick, and I had a cork out there, and it was gone. It was, and my line was done pulled tight and headed yonder way. I was like, oh, boy, I got one. And I began to fight and reel that thing, and about that time, snap, broke my line. He rolled on top of the water. That would have been a nice catfish if I could have got him in. But I missed him. But you know what that did? It gave me a hunger to keep fishing. So then I redid another hook, got it, threw it out there about where that was at, and I waited again. And I just kept waiting. Wasn't long till there it goes again. This time I let that thing wrestle down a little bit. I'd, I'd let him swim around out there and get a little tired, and I'd reel him a little bit. When he got to pulling tight again, I'd, I'd let him swim a little bit, and I'd... And I finally kept working with it until I got him in, but I had to be patient. You know, sometimes it is that you go and you talk to somebody, and you may not win them to the Lord the very first time you go, but you keep praying for them. You keep talking to them. You be patient with them, and you wait on God's timing, and you trust the Lord with their soul. Sometimes we have to work at fishing, but... But not only that, when you do work at fishing and you catch the fish, you've got to have a good place to put your catch. I can remember a time when we were down at our pond fishing and we'd caught a stringer of brim, probably 13 brim was on that stringer. And me and Daddy was done prepared that evening. We got back up to the house. We was going to clean all those fish. And sometime soon we was going to do a little fish fry there and, and have some brim. Brim was my Daddy's favorite kind of fish now they're little and they got a lot of bone but they taste pretty good and he he likes them 
And so we'd done, we kept fishing. I'd slide another fish on that string and I'd throw it out there. Well, it was getting just about dark, so we decided it was time to go. And I reached down, I grabbed that stringer and had it wrapped around a little tree and I untied it and I pulled it up out of the water with nothing but heads. A turtle had done come up and made every one of them fish. So I remedied that. I went and bought a basket. I went and bought me one of those big old baskets and I tied a rope to it and and now I put the fish down in that basket and them turtles and stuff can't get to it, right? And I throw it out there and then, then we roll, pull that thing in and we get the fish out and we clean them. And, well, that's, we was fishing here a few weeks ago. We was there and my wife and I was fishing and Kayla had done went back up to the camper and we were there and, and uh, it was starting to get pretty dark and my dad had caught a fish the day before. It was a little brim, and it had died and done got stiff. And I said, I'm just going to throw that fish back. And I took it out of the basket, and I tossed it out in the water. And I threw the other two catfish back out there. They were still in the basket. I threw them back out because we still had just a couple of minutes left. And I was going, we're just going to see if we can use them up, and then we'll be gone. And about that time, I saw that dead fish going across the water like this. I looked out there, and I said, is that that fish I just threw out there? And Christy took her light on her phone, and we looked out there, and a snake had done come got that fish and was taking it across the water. And while we was watching and focusing in on that, we had her splash down at her feet, and there was another. That snake was coming up after them two catfish I had in that basket. But it didn't take us long. Christy grabbed my shoulder. She was right behind me, and we backed up, and we got up on the hill, and that snake come up on the bank and went right across the rope to my basket. I said, that rascal's fishing try to get them fish out of that basket. He can't get them fish out of there. And so I was sitting there, and I was watching that happening, and, and uh, I looked around. I found a big old stick, so I threw it at that snake, and that snake went back in the water. And so I grabbed up our chairs and rod and reels and everything and carried it back halfway up the hill to Christy because that's how far she done got. And I carried all that back to her. And so I went back down there, and about the time I was fishing to grab that rope, that snake done come back. And he done crossed my rope again right at the edge of the basket. So I grabbed that rope and I jerked that thing and I did. That snake went flying up in the air and he landed in the water and he took off. And I got my fish and up the hill I went. But I said all that to say this, folks. We have an adversary. And God's word describes him that he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I guarantee you he's after the catch. And so when you do lead somebody to the Lord, we have a responsibility to make sure we get them in a good place. And I can assure you, I don't know what the churches down the road preach and teach, but I know you, Pastor, I know what's being taught here. you got a good place to put the catch. You bring them where you know they're going to get fed. You bring them where they know they're going to get what they need, where they can be protected. See, I wasn't going to let that snake have them fish. I done work too hard to catch them things. You wasn't fishing to get them fish. But yes, sometimes we stand back and we watch the old devil devour folks that we've been trying to lead to the Lord. It's like we give up. We just let him win. He's a good place to put the catch right here. It's like a fellow said one time, he said, when you go and you have a child at the hospital, you don't just look at them and say, it don't really matter what home you send that child home to. Just send them to a good home. 
Mamas, if you carried that baby for nine months, you're going to want that baby going home with you, right? If you labor and you prayed for that soul and you go and you lead that one to the Lord, you ought to want them to come where you are. Bring them, put them where they can be protected. Where they can be helped. You see, our adversary is trying to lure away those. He's trying to snatch away those that we want to bring to Christ. That adversary, he'll try to get them. That old serpent, he'll try to get them. We got to watch. But here we see they left their nets. They left what was comfortable. They left all of that so that they could follow Jesus and do a kind of fishing that they wasn't used to. Sometimes God will take us. I had a preacher tell me when I was, the day I was ordained, he looked at me and he said, there's going to be times where God's going to make you trust him. I didn't know what he was talking about then. I do now. I've had that happen several times in my life. Or I've just got to trust him. I don't know his plan for me right now. I'm just, that's one of those times where I'm just trusting him. I left my net, left what was comfortable, and I'm following him, trusting him to lead the way. But not only do we see that some were casting their nets and some left their nets, but notice thirdly and lastly, it says... In verse number 21, it says, And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Now, when I went fishing, I mentioned that fishing trip. The fishing trip at Sardis, we, we went down there and I had gathered, I always have the rod and reels in the back of my truck when we're going camping and I done gathered all those rod and reels out of the truck and I done carried some of them down to the dock and done carried a minnow bucket and some other bait there and, and I decided that day, I said, I'm going to see what they're biting. So I put one kind of bait on one and I went ahead and threw it out there and I said, well, I'll put the minnow on the other one in here in just a second and I'll see which one they're biting. And so I done threw that one out there, and I laid the rod and reel right down there by my foot on the dock. And I reached around, I got the little net, and I dipped me a minnow out, and I was just about to put him on the hook, and my rod and reel went right off in the water. I was like, well, good grief. And so I grabbed my rod and reel, forgot the minnow, and I, and I reached around, and I grabbed that reel right where it connects to the rod, and I was pulling it back toward the pier and Krista reached down and grabbed a hold of it and handed it to me and I started reeling that thing in I said boy this is going to be a nice one here it's a brim about that long but he sure put up a fight and he sure jerked that rod and reel off in the water but you know there was one rod and reel that I didn't take with me that day I left it in the truck never even got it out you know why because the line was broke on it wasn't going to do me any good it didn't have a hook, didn't have anything. The line was down in the spool. I was going to have to take the cover off and get the line out. I was going to have to completely redo it. And so I didn't t- even take that one with me because what good would it do to try to use that rod and reel when it wasn't a usable tool? And so when they were mending their nets, they had obviously either been fishing or about to go fishing, and so they were mending what needed mending. Sometimes it is in our life that God points out some things and says, Hey, I'm not happy with this right here. This right here needs mending in your life. You're not a usable vessel to me until you get that corrected. 
Sometimes we need to mend our nets. Sometimes we need to take some time and, and get in God's Word and let God show us the things and, and, and even ask God, Lord, try me and show me as the psalmist did. Search me. Know my thoughts. Know my heart. Lord, what is it in me that's not pleasing to you? Now, when you do that, He's going to show you, and then you have a responsibility to do something with it. It'll be time to mend your nets. You see, that's what they were doing right here. They were, they were mending their net so that they could be effective in catching fish. Sometimes we're not a usable vessel for God because we've got things in our life that God has already pointed out that needs mending in our lives, and we've not yet dealt with it, and we cannot be effective for Him until we do. We have to mend our nets. Because if you don't, the fish is just going to go right through. You're not going to do any good. And so my challenge for us tonight is this. Let's make a decision to get involved in the work of the Lord through this local church. Let's make a decision that we want to get involved in what God is doing And if God leads you to do something that you don't think you can do, trust Him. Step out of your comfort zone. Leave your net and follow Him. He'll do through you what you never thought possible. And then if God has shown you some areas in your life that needs mending, get that corrected. Come before Him and confess that. God's Word said that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So if He's pointed that out to you, just confess it to Him. He already knows. Just confess, repent, trust Him, follow Him, leave your net, and keep on fishing. Because we're living in a day where the fish fish are plentiful, but the fishers are few. How about let's go fishing? I've given you what God's put on my heart tonight. The Lord has touched your heart, and you be obedient to Him. If not, don't feel pressured by me to do a thing. I, I always say that the invitation time is not ever for the preacher. He's already done what God told him to do. The invitation time is for you. It's your time to do what God would have you to do. So we're going to have a verse of invitation. Brother, if you don't mind.